back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, we have hit episode 46, and, you know, just when we thought the summer was going to be slow or the pandemic was going to take <laughs> over all the news, uh, something else happens and we just, we keep getting content out the yin-yang. So this week we are going to talk about Shocker. Uh, the campaign that Burger King came out with last week. And um, we're, we'll dive into the specifics in just a minute. But first off, we would like to introduce you to our de- to our guest this week. Yeah, our guest is D- Dr. Sarah Place. Uh, she's the Chief Sustainability Officer for Elenco. And we thought she'd be a great person to have on to kind of talk about what sustainability is and what this campaign means for the beef industry specifically. Um, so with that, Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, I do work for Elenco, as you guys just said, right? So I've been working with Elenco since the end of November uh, as the Chief Sustainability Officer. And so my role is really global in nature and it crosses multiple species, not just beef, um, and really focused on how we can help uh, livestock producers all over the world try to be more efficient right, through better animal health outcomes. Uh, before that, I was at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, so based in Denver, Colorado. Uh, running the sustainability research program there uh, for the beef checkoff. Uh, And then prior to that, had uh, about four years where I was on faculty at Oklahoma State University um, doing research and teaching uh, in the Department of Animal Science. My research and my research at UC Davis where I went for my PhD is very much tied to this uh, (laughs) this Burger King topic, (laughs) right? Because a lot of my work was actually directly measuring methane from cattle. Um, so we can get into the specifics of that, of how do you actually measure it and uh, where does it come from, all those, those fun questions. Um, but, and then prior to that, I'm, I'm originally from upstate New York. I just recently moved back here, so I'm from a dairy farm. Uh, so some way, shape, or form have been involved in agriculture and related to cows mostly, right, uh, for my whole life. So, yeah. Well, that's definitely a common thread for us to Val with the beef cattle and me with the dairy cattle. So um, we're delighted to have you here, fellow cow lover, and, and it sounds like you've got a ton of experience that we're really going to be able to use for this conversation today. Yeah. yeah. So can you, Sarah, uh, give our listeners maybe a background if they haven't watched the Burger King informative video on how they're going to go sustainability or go sustainable for the next generation. Yeah. 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 I can't really speak to the, you know, I'm not a music critic or a marketing (laughs) expert, but uh, it was, it was definitely uh, interesting. Right. Yeah. Um, The premise of it is essentially Burger King announced and they did this big social media rollout and media pitch uh, saying that they have a solution to the methane issue, the gassy cow issue, if you will, right? Um, And so that was kind of the premise of the commercial was that, you know, it's kind of song and dance routine, literally, of how feeding uh, this product called lemongrass, right, this type of plant uh, and extract could potentially lower methane emissions. So that was kind of the key uh, takeaway of that. There was, you know, again, some kind of cutesy stuff and some, you know, you could argue a little bit a little bit cliche uh, presentation of agriculturalists in the, in the video um, and some, you know, juvenile humor uh, thrown in there. And that, that was pretty much the ad. So. so this caused a lot of rumbling in the agriculture industry, animal ag specifically, as 
as we've all heard and listeners, if you haven't, just, just look up Burger King and Lemongrass and it'll pop right to the top of your Google searches. And it does keep you watching it till the end. I do have to say it was very entertaining-ish. It's but... an engaging ad, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I mean, there's there's so many so many facets of this issue that we want to hit tonight. But I think let's start first with um, with lemongrass. I mean, can you tell us what it is beyond some you know crunchy foodie thing that you put in a smoothie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, to kind of back up and provide some context, like why would where where would even somebody get this idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to feed this to cattle. So le- lemongrass is a it's a grass, right? It's a um, a plant that's kind of in tropical in origin. So whether um, you know India, uh, different parts of the world where it's native, right? Um, but why it would have been selected as a potential candidate to reduce methane emissions is because it's a plant that contains plant bioactive compounds, right? Specifically tannins and essential oils, right? Which as you were kind of alluding to, I mean, that's what people think about lemongrass, right? Some sort of fragrant uh, substance um, that they maybe use in other purposes, not feeding cattle per se. But this is actually a long line of research of folks looking at these type of plants that contain tannins, contain essential oils. So even things like garlic oil, oregano, these type of products, um, c- cinnamon extracts have been fed to cattle to look at if they affect methane emissions. So from that standpoint, um, as an animal scientist that kind of studies this, it's not surprising that they chose that plant to look at, right? Or that this research that they elevated, this preliminary research is the important word, that they elevated um, was in that vein, if that makes sense. So that's that's kind of the, the what is it or why, why the heck would anybody even think about feeding it to look at methane emissions in cattle. How, um, what has, what is the current research that has been done on those extracts, um, lemongrass, even some of the other oils you mentioned and how, how efficient is it for reducing emissions? Right, right. So in terms of reducing methane (coughs) emissions, as far as I'm aware, most of this research that's been done in animals live animals, as we say, in vivo research um, with lemongrass has not been published yet, right? So it hasn't been peer-reviewed. So there's really nothing out there that would point to it yet. And it seems like the preliminary research, you know, there was a stronger effect in the study that was done down in Mexico as compared to the one that was done at UC Davis. And that's probably comes back to the diet of the cattle and then also the concentration of those different bioactive compounds in the different grass sources because they didn't feed the same source if that makes sense okay um yeah but this is just like i mentioned this is just one uh one avenue of research right i think that's that's one of the things that that this ad has elevated is uh people's awareness that this type of research is happening right it's been going on for decades quite frankly Mm -hmm. in terms of ways that we can reduce methane um so it's just kind of an obscure one to elevate to the top. But again, that if you if you run an ad campaign, then you will generate that interest in it. So, well, that's I'm not sure if you can answer this question from your background because it sort of is on marketing. But why would a company use such preliminary research from such a small study? Um, you know, without all of the the controls and the the scientific process that we all learned in eighth grade um, behind it? Is it just? I mean. 
just to get out there and trend and tell tell people that they're doing something or you know to make us agriculturists outraged and and they'll still be trending because of that yeah 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 i think i mean i think obviously as you guys know right climate change is a hot topic even now with the pandemic with other very pressing societal issues that have been at the forefront climate change is still something that is on top of mind right for people um, and so a lot of the companies that have been active in the space overall are not letting off the gas pedal, if that makes sense, in terms of what they're doing. And I'm sure Burger King had this in the works for months and months, right? Uh, <laughs> you don't just shoot an ad like that in a week, right? <laughs> right. So, uh, so that's kind of the key thing, I think, is that, you know, we may say things about their approach, but that overall interest is one that is pretty common in companies now, food service companies, that they're looking at their supply chain and they're uh, being held to account by investors, public investors, by different environmental groups, by their own customers, to be part of the solution when it comes to climate change. And so for a lot of the companies that sell beef, they're in this situation where they're trying to make statements about what they're gonna do within their supply chain even if they don't own the cattle directly, obviously, or have any sort of control over it, right? It's more of this type of partnership statement um, type way of looking at it. And that's pretty common for a lot of companies, right? Whether it's a big retailer like Walmart or others, you know, they talk about what they're going to do in their supply chain, even though they don't have direct control over it. So that's that's not too uncommon. So is it even tangible at this point for them to make the statements they've made that they're going to be going to beef that's been fed lemongrass to reduce emissions by 33 percent per animal per day <laughs> which seems pretty incredible. yeah yeah uh, there are there are uh things that have been researched that actually do have that level or even greater of methane effect um again not necessarily consistently uh, has been shown to be lemongrass yet. But I would just say, I mean, again, that's that's up to them to figure out if they have that level of traceability in their supply chain that they could do that, right? Um, that's definitely something that they would be a better person to answer uh, or somebody from BK would be a better person to answer. But again, I think it's, it's more of, <laughs> this does give agriculture an opportunity, right? Um, to talk about what we are doing, which is a lot. And I think sometimes even within agriculture, we don't realize all the work that's happening um, to try to be proactive on this issue, right? Because I think sometimes agriculture, we react to these things defensively, mm -hmm. which is understandable, especially with, again, the, the content of the ad, right? Um, but I think people are looking for solutions, right? So what I just said, that's, that is really key that we need to be upfront that we actually are doing these, these things. And we actually are working on this. Um, researchers are different industry groups are, um, and we're just kind of at the cusp of really documenting some of these things and rolling them out. It may not be lemongrass. It may be documenting the progress that we've made with genetics, right? With cattle. Uh, with different feed additives, with different ways of feeding animals, um, with improving health outcomes. All these different things actually do have an effect on emissions, right? It's not just feeding one type of feed, right? There's going to be a huge array of options to reduce methane further. And we can talk about like, why, why would you even want to reduce methane if you're a cattle producer, right? Like, why would you want to do that? There's actually practical benefit to it. Um, and, and how it's produced kind of comes into that.
Right. I think, I think those are great places to start. First off, Burger King has to back up their marketing with the metrics that they've claimed and everything, and we'll, we'll hold their feet, hopefully, to the fire on that. But why would agriculturists, beef producers, cattle producers want to reduce their methane emissions? And what can you give us, can you give us um, a, a ballpark figure of what animal, well, let's go with cattle emissions are in the United States right now? Yeah, yeah. So, so if we looked at the government data, the EPA data, right, every April, the government puts out an emission inventory. And so if we looked at methane emissions from beef and dairy cattle, it's somewhere around two and a half, three percent, right? Of, of total US emissions for the U.S.? Total okay. Yes. So obviously our ability as an industry to make a huge dent in the carbon budget, if you will, of the United States is pretty limited, right? But we're contributors. So we can, we can make a contribution in terms of reducing those emissions. We can go into that further. There's a lot of research on why reducing methane could make the industry look quite good, right? In terms of how it's accounted for. Um, so that's the context of how much do we actually emit? right, in the grand scheme of things. So it's not zero, but it's not huge, right? <laughs> in comparison, transportation is like 27% of emissions, right? We just burn a lot of fossil fuels in the United States, so it dilutes out agriculture in general. Um, so that's the, the first thing. The other thing is methane, like if you guys think about your cattle, right, whether it's beef or dairy cattle, when they consume feed, right, they're eating a bunch of feed calories, right, a bunch of energy, um, and that energy gets partitioned in different ways, right? Some of it is digestible, some of it's not, right? Obviously, that's, that's what comes out the other end of the end, right? Uh, <laughs> the basics of animal science here, right? Um, some of it gets retained within the animal, right? Uh, metabolized. And then a fraction of, of energy actually gets emitted from ruminant animals. So whether it's cattle, sheep, goats, mule deer, you know, the giraffe is the world's largest ruminant. There's all sorts of ruminants, right? what happens to some of that energy is it gets emitted as methane, right? So methane is actually, if you think about it, just from a pure, um, you know, farming perspective, from a, from a productivity perspective, it's essentially feed energy you're blowing off to the atmosphere that you're not capturing in meat or milk or anything that's productive, right? So a lot of this research, uh, even before climate change was a thing uh, in animal science was all targeted around, can we increase the capture of energy, feed energy in the animal, right? Or in the products that we sell and not lose it as methane, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we do a lot of things to do that already that we don't market as methane reducing strategies, right? Like when we feed cattle grain, right? Mm -hmm. In a total mixed ration, we feed them concentrate feeds, we lower methane emissions, right? So uh, that is a widely adopted practice, right? Uh, we don't market it as a climate solution, but it is something that we do that reduces methane from cattle, right? That's so interesting because corn-fed beef specifically gets a bad rap for methane emissions, for greater use of resources and, and less stewardship of the environment, mm -hmm. all of those sorts of things. And it sort of kind of sounds like it's all based on marketing as things are. <laughs> or we yeah. can use this as a tool to market why corn-fed beef can be efficient or Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it is one of the reasons why the U.S. beef industry has one of the lowest carbon footprints in the world because we do grow animals efficiently. And part of that is because we do finish animals on grain, right? We shorten the time to slaughter. We increase the rate of gain. 
we produce more human food for less greenhouse gas emissions to get emitted. Now, folks will say on the counter side of that, they'll say, well, you had to think about how the feed is grown, right? And this is usually where people that critique um, grain finished beef come from, not necessarily the methane angle. I think that that's, there's literally no controversy there. Like if you feed cattle more grain, the methane will go down. Like that's just basics. Um, though I think it is true that a lot of lay people don't understand that, right? They actually have that flipped in their mind. They think if you feed them corn, the, a quote unquote unnatural diet, um, that methane goes up, right? I'm sure you guys have heard that, but that's actually completely false. Um, so I think the the growing of the corn, the idea of, you know, vast monocultures, et cetera, that's usually where people get hung up on, on that idea. I think the reality is though, and we, we've done a, in my opinion, a poor job of explaining that to people, especially um, in the U.S. and other places, right? We talk about corn-fed beef, but the reality is, is, of course, most of the feed that beef cattle eat is not corn, right? It is grass. Because uh, even grain-finished beef, I mean, it's typically whatever. It's 150 days you're going to be in a feedlot, right? Mm -hmm. And the rest of their life is grazing mostly, right? Yeah. So if we look at the feed breakdown, it's, it's about 10 to 11% of the total lifetime feed intake of cattle is actually grain, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not that much. And I think that's what's key is to, that's that's everything with sustainability is like, there are no clear answers, right? It's all just a muddled mess, right? It's right. Actually, <laughs> right. And, and that's, a, that's a great example of what we do is we combine, you know, so-called intensive and extensive production systems together uh, with beef cattle production in the United States in a lot of places in the world. Places, you know, Canada, the United States, Australia has not an insignificant feedlot industry, right? A lot of the mature beef industries in the world have the same type of system, right? It's mostly grass and then typically finished on a grain-based diet, a higher calorie diet that lowers mm -hmm. methane, right? Mm -hmm. um, increases the efficiency. Really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no lemongrass required at this point. <laughs> yeah. So where, I guess, does the majority of the methane come from? Because like <laughs> you get, you talk about cow farts as one of them. And then there's also methane coming off the manure too. Yes. And then, but cows also belch because that's the way the rumen digests and they chew their cud and so forth. But I think there's a misconception that the majority of the methane too is coming out the tail end as farts. <laughs> yes, yes. So that's, that's always, I think that's another uh, trigger, trigger word in agriculture, right? When people say cow farts. Or <laughs> um, so yes, I mean, to go into the, the science of it, right? Ruminants are really cool animals, right? They're, they are amazing in terms of they have this unique symbiotic relationship with these trillions of microbes that live in their stomach compartments, right? The biggest one is called the rumen, and that's why they're all called ruminant animals, right? So essentially they're a big fermentation vat. That's what that rumen is, right? So when they consume feed, what happens is obviously you just reference, right? They chew their cud, right? They chew their food many, many, many times, right? <laughs> Salivate on it um, and create a lot of surface area for these microbes to attach. And there's all these different microbes there right? A subclass of them are called methanogens, right? They generate methane as their name kind of implies. <laughs> um, and they are actually super crucial to the whole rumen ecosystem working because they're essentially the, the 
the little population that takes all the waste from all the rest of the microbes and creates something from it, right, to generate their own energy. They take carbon dioxide and they take hydrogen gas and they make methane. So that's one of those other complexities of this is you can't just be like, well, just eliminate the methanogens, right? If you do that, the whole thing doesn't work. Like the whole right. room doesn't work, right? <laughs> so that's why this is complicated. Um, but again, back to that rumen, I mean, it's, it's a fermentation vat. What happens? A lot of gas gets produced. Most of it is actually CO2. Some of it is methane. It accumulates on the, the top of the rumen. And what happens is about once a minute, these animals have a, a ruminal contraction. There was, we call it eructation, right? The, the technical. <laughs> uh, it's not really belching per se, right? Because it's not like as we belch, right? In our uh, kind of gross human habits, it's, it's not really the same. Uh, a lot of the methane actually just gets breathed out of the animal. Like they, it goes in their lungs, they breathe it out. Um, but it gets removed, right? And if you think about the digestive system of cattle, Obviously, most of it comes out the front end, right? Because that's where all the fermentation is happening, right? Mm -hmm. um, there is some hindgut fermentation in cattle, but it's pretty minimal, right? Relative to what we call the foregut before the acidic stomach, all this, the, the stuff that's happening in the rumen. Um, and even some of that methane actually that gets produced in the large intestine gets absorbed in the animal animal's bloodstream and actually gets respired out in their lungs. So even though it's about a 90-10 split in terms of where the methane gets produced in terms of front to back, it's about 97% of it that comes out the animal's mouth, right? So cow farts are really not a thing. That's the <laughs> summary of everything I just said. Um, and that, that's, that's what's really key, right? It's like, that's, that's how we measure it. A lot of the systems that we measure methane, we don't, we actually even ignore the hindgut methane because it's so insignificant, right? We put animals in head boxes. We use these things called, uh, green feed systems that are essentially self feeders. Animal walks up and sticks his head in a feeder and we capture the methane there. That, that's how insignificant the hindgut methane is, is we often ignore it when we measure it. Wow. So I think what we learned from that, besides all of the science, which we're always thrilled to learn about because we're science nerds, yep. um, cow farts makes catchy headlines, but doesn't actually <laughs> tell the whole or even much of the truth. No, no. I mean, I, I, I would think burps also plays into that, you know, streak of juvenile. Right. Humor, but apparently has not caught on. So um, <laughs> the other thing is, is uh, methane is an odorless gas. And I just have to throw that out there too. As people want to talk about the smell, it's like, ah, it's not methane. Okay? So just <laughs> from a technical standpoint, no, right? Um, and, and that is that, that key piece of that is, I think that again, it's what drives people nuts. They say, if you got a 50-50 chance, it's either the front or the back end. If you get that wrong, the credibility in agriculture, what you're going to say next, I think goes down a lot. And I don't know if, a lot of these marketing folks realize that the trade-off between being cute and credibility to agricultural audiences. Do you think it matters too much if they, do they care too much about their credibility to agricultural audiences because <laughs> we're less than 2% of the population? I would say that ad was definitely not targeted to agriculture, right? <laughs> right. I think that is, that is a, that's a, something that you can say pretty clearly, right? Um, and that's true. And, and I think we need better stories, right, of how to tell these things to folks in a way that maintains accuracy, but does not have people's eyes glaze over. And I don't think I'm an expert in that, right, because I just went into a deep dive of how rumen digestion works. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but you get an idea that, you know, you do need to do something that grabs people's attention if you want to grab their attention, right? Um, and again, I think that's the silver lining of all this is it gives, it gives agriculture an opportunity to talk about what we're doing, um, talk about that research and like just highlight, this is one tiny piece of a much bigger suite of innovation that's happening in the industry and on a trajectory of overall reducing emissions in intensity, right? Emissions per unit of beef, emissions per unit of milk over time. So as like a beef producer myself, you know, I was really shocked to even see Burger King come out with this because I hadn't heard about the research. It wasn't in the headlines of the news articles I was reading. Um, did, did agriculture like miss this boat? Is it still an opportunity we can capture or where are we at? Because I'm all for being more efficient. I'm more all for, you know, taking that next step, but I feel like it's a little bit of a black eye but maybe we just missed the boat and weren't at the table because agriculture is good at that too. Yeah. I think this is a, this is a moment where agriculture does need to think about how do we position ourselves as a solution. Right. And I don't want to be too, too critical. Right. But I think in the past we have been defensive and it's understandable why, because I think folks look at this issue of climate change and they see whether real or imagined a lot of agendas behind it in terms of, folks they feel like they've come into conflict with in the past, right, from an environmental perspective. But I think there is a really great story for all of agriculture to tell because it is an industry that is, quite frankly, I mean, it's driven off of carbon out of the air and sunshine, right? So we, we need to think about how we do things better, but also talk about how we do these things in a way that relates to people a little bit more. Um, and again, highlight those, that progress over time. So there are actually a lot of efforts that are taking place. Um, sometimes those are more behind the scenes and they're not flashy. And I think that's why it seems like, you know, we're not doing anything right, but that's, that couldn't be further from the truth. So even just in the U S there's the U S Roundtable for sustainable beef. Um, and actually Burger King is a member of that, right? And they have come to meetings and that's, I, I don't think their marketing team was leaped in. Okay. <laughs> to the, to everything else. Um, but that, that group is actually super important because it brings people from all segments of the supply chain, right? With the folks that are consumer facing mm -hmm. to the folks that are raising beef together, right? And ultimately in something like this, that's what you need, right? Because you do need to build trust and have people talk to one another. Cause I think this highlights, if you shoot that trust down, then it just, it just makes it so much harder to actually make progress, right? So, um, that, that is that is, that's one example of there's a lot that's happening, right? There's a lot of other research that's happening at places like UC Davis or at Colorado State University, right? That is looking at how can we improve the system more? Because um, I think that's what's key too, is owning up that things are not, <laughs> they're not perfect in agriculture, right? That's pretty clear. Um, and that's true from an environmental perspective and others. We've made a lot of progress. There's a lot to be proud of and we should applaud. Um, but we also should say, what, what is our vision for the future? And just as an observer, I think that's why we've seen like the rise of plant-based alternatives, et cetera, mm -hmm. um, especially with beef, because some people haven't seen the industry lead, right? They, or they don't see them leading as saying, hey, 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 we have a solution, right? This is what we're going to do. Um, and because it's not framed that way, I think you have a hole and then you get a commercial with uh, kids singing in gas masks, right? <laughs> so that's, that's what happens. Like, 
I think that's a very diplomatic way of, of presenting the situation and it's appreciated and now it gives me food for thought. And again, I'm not sure that you can answer this, just more of a more of an observation that um, agriculture probably needs to be a little more flashy in our advertising or marketing or whatever it is. And most agriculturists just aren't flashy. <laughs> it goes against the grain, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's so true. And I mean, I, I can say the same for myself, right? It's like the reason you go into a lot of these fields is because you're like, I don't want to talk to people. Right. <laughs> don't want to interact with humans or right? I'd rather interact with cattle or you know you know the, the small group of people that that I work with so I think that is um proportionally this industry is a bunch of introverts right and so mm -hmm. I think that doesn't that doesn't help things either um and it's a lot of people that their instinct is not to promote themselves right or to say I'm standing out and I'm doing this right that's quite frankly Kind of goes against a lot of agriculturalists, uh, you know, just in their DNA, if you will, right? So it, there's a, it's just one of the many tensions here, I think, that's led us to where we are today, for sure. Well, an agriculturist, I look up to them because they're humble, they work hard, they put their head down, and they don't, yes. for the most part, cause a lot of drama when you look at the big picture of everything going yes. on in the United States. So we have to work, we have to find ways to work past that and shake especially the older generation from from that and like yeah we need to be out talking about the cool things we're doing on the farm and ranch and the cool research with lemongrass or with these different things that are going on and have that open vulnerable conversation that we don't still know everything and we're working to make a difference we're making things happen and so that we can compete with the plant-based whopper so we can compete with the almond beverage because we can t we take a back seat and just put our head down and if i work harder i could i could get i could be a little more sustainable in my business practice practice so maybe i can send it to the next generation but we're not out there talking yeah. about that yeah i think there's so many cool things that agriculture is doing and i think that's part of the trouble too is is sometimes it's stuff you do every day that you're like eh, nobody cares about that it's not that cool whether it's you know what you do for water management or you know, using solar pumps or it could be anything that seems incredibly obscure mm -hmm. to you as an operator, right? That if you present it to somebody that doesn't know anything about it, they're gonna be like, wow, that's really cool, right? Um, and I think that's part of what gives this perception that agriculture is just like sitting on its hands and not doing anything, which couldn't be further from the truth, right? Um, and I, I think that, that again, it's just, it's that tension between, okay, are you gonna, are you gonna talk about it? Or are we gonna, you know, as you said, right, be humble, be hardworking, put your nose to the grindstone, which is good, a lot of good characteristics there. Um, but then it leaves these holes that create perceptions to the broader public that we're not doing anything, right? Right. And I, I don't know, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. Having worked on the inside of an organization and tried to pitch things to the media, you know, it's tough. It's tough to get out there in the mainstream press, right? So, um, and that maybe, maybe it is taking a very unconventional <laughs> turn is, is some way to try to grab people's attention. Well, and we're really good in agriculture. We love our science. We love our ag facts. We love, we love all that meat that goes behind it. Um, but the public and the consumer just blows that kind of stuff off a lot of times and wants, wants something to draw their attention visually or conceptually. Um, and I think we've got to learn how to integrate some of our 
science and our data into something that's gonna keep their attention and engage them further to have conversations and to go further because it's, I they're just with social media and everything that's going on, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to get their attention. We've got to find a way, I think, to do it a little bit better than we've been doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think we all, we all experience that, right? Where it's just like, you have a limited amount of attention and it's hard to grab people's attention, right? And that there's, there's companies that are trying to do that, the attention economy, right? Um, and that's, that is difficult because if you don't present this information in a way that resonates with the person that you're talking to, then of course they're not going to be interested, right? And I think we're, we're really good at that as agriculture of, again, talking to ourselves mm-hmm. and, um, and partially that's driven because it's such a specific field, right? And of course, we talk to each other all the while and we have our own jargon, but then it creates kind of these impenetrable walls between you and talking to somebody else, right? If you throw a bunch of jargon out there. Um, so I think that's always one of those key things to just think about, you know, what is somebody really doing, right? And, and, and uh, in their life and what, what's going to be relevant to them? And I think it's important to not not lean into this exceptionalism sometimes with agriculture, right? Where you're like, well, we're so hardworking. So there's, there's a lot of people that are hardworking, right? I mean, people that own restaurants bust their butt, right? Like family owned restaurants, that is a really hard job or a dry cleaner or anybody that's working a nine to five, right? Everybody's working hard. So it's like, how do we, how do you connect to people where they're at, right? When you want to um, and, and make it more accessible from that standpoint. And again, I'm just throwing, that out there, I don't have the answer to that. You know, I think that's, <laughs> that's just an observation that, again, I'm not a marketing expert, but um, but that that is just what I see having been in this field for over 10 years with sustainability is that this issue has been kind of poo-pooed by some in agriculture. And to me, it's like, it's on the horizon and it keeps growing in importance, right? Now we see the investor community looking at companies and saying, well, you have animal agriculture in your supply chain. That's a risk. It's a climate risk, right? And the reason they're saying that is because there's people in these circles, right, that influence investors or fellow investment firms that say that, right, that, that view it that way, right? So if you're not active, if you're not in those rooms, this oversimplified black and white kind of vision of the world gets put out there. And if somebody puts it in an economic model or, you know, a risk portfolio structure or whatever, uh, you know, that, that can, that can have legs that can have an effects, um, in the long term. I think that's why it's important to pay attention to it. I, th- I think that's definitely changed in the last several years. I don't, I don't hear that as much by, by farmers and ranchers where they're like, yeah, it's just this bunch of BS. You know, I, I think people realize like, this is not going away. This, this topic area. Well, it's taken us sort of a long time to catch on, but those are encouraging words to hear because, you know, it, it can be a very black and white issue in our industry. And as we know, there's nothing that's black and white except for the Holsteins. And and you know, millennial ag is here to try and parse through some of these great issues. So um, thank you very much for joining us this week. We really appreciate it. We would love to have you back, um, especially to talk about your sustainability pillars. Um, so we'll leave that as a teaser for <laughs> audience members. And before you go, where can people find you if they want to follow you? Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of a bad millennial. I'm only on one uh, social media platform, if you will, that uh, you can reach me on. But on Twitter, 
my handle is uh, at DRS place, right? At Dr. Place. Um, so that's where you can reach me and uh, happy to engage on, on everything and answer any questions you may have about methane and cows. <laughs> well, thank you again, Sarah, for joining us. Um, and I can't wait to continue this conversation and on how agriculture can work to continue to be sustainable, but how we can start marketing or finding outlets to market as well. Um, listeners, we want to hear your thoughts too on how, how you view sustainability, what you thought of uh, the Bur Burger King ad and where you think agriculture is going in the next generation. So you can email us at talk to us at millennialag.com or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. So for, for now, we're Millennial Ag. Mm -hmm.